This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. Taking my Bible reading this morning from the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, start at verse 11, very familiar portion of Scripture. This is Jesus speaking, telling us of an account. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I want to take my text from verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? And with the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to preach for a little while on the title message, There is bread in my father's house. There is bread in my father's house. So would you stand for the message and messenger this morning? Loving Father, God of mercy, we thank you once again to be in the house of the Lord to hear thy word. Lord God, we pray that your word will not fall on deaf ears, but that it will be hidden in our heart that we might not sin against thee. Lord God, you know the needs of the people here today, what they're needing throughout the rest of the week. You know, Satan's been out there trying to tempt us and try to do all kinds of matter of things. But being here in the house of the Lord, we know we can get strength, we can get power, Lord, we can get what we need from you. Lord God, let us gather that in our minds and our hearts and our souls. And as our brother ministered the word of the Lord, that you're given that fresh unction by the Holy Spirit as he delivered and ministered the word that you laid upon his heart. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Here we have this famous Bible parable. We give it the title of the Prodigal Son. It is an amazing story of love and redemption. It comes off the heels of two other parables dealing with the same subject of being lost and recovered. But this morning by the Holy Ghost, I want to really dive into it and grasp the whole meaning of this parable that Jesus is telling us. Let's look at the background real quick. Here we have a really wealthy man who had two sons. It was quite common for a family to build up an inheritance for their children in those days. In this case, the inheritance was already built up, and the younger son wanted it now. He wanted it then. Uh, 
as we know, with a genera- uh, an inheritance, you usually don't get it until the person who has stored it up or created the inheritance passes away. This kind of sounds like our generation. I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. I want it now. I don't want to work for it. I don't want to earn it. I want it now. We ask ourselves, why did the father uh, agree to it? Why did the father go ahead and say, fine, I'll give you your inheritance now, even though I'm still alive. I'll give you your inheritance now, even though you're still young. We don't know why. We don't know why. It doesn't tell us. But he did. He gave it to him. And then it goes on to tell us what happened. He said not many days after that the son took that money, the inheritance, and left and went into a far country. As Christians, we need to be careful not to leave from the presence of God. We can't just get up and move to a new city. Move away from where God wants us to be because we feel like it. Even church members, you know, we apply this mainly to ministers sometimes, that we got to be where God wants us, be in the church that God wants us to labor in. But even the same with church members. They can't just get up and go wherever they want. They cannot just move without God directing their step. God has you in a church. He wants you there for a reason. You can't just pick and choose. You know, we're talking earlier about churches that have uh, their, uh, they elect their pastors and they have this uh, group of people who are members of the church. They're the, uh, the board, I guess you can say. Uh, and they're usually just, uh, they're, they're members of the church. They're members of the community. But we got to look and realize that God is the head. God is in charge. And when God wants you somewhere, he wants you there. He wants, uh, especially church members, he wants you to stay where you're at no matter who the pastor is because you've got to hold the foundation up. You're the pillar of the church. You're the one that welcomes this new pastor in so that he can help uh, assimilate himself into that congregation so that he can lead and teach and bring you further to the next step. I remember when my first pastor got the call to go somewhere else by his leadership to go take over another work. I was kind of heartbroken. And then here comes this new pastor and I considered, well, maybe I need to leave. Maybe I need to go off to a far country, take what I've been given by God already and go somewhere else. I didn't like the change, but I prayed. And I remember that pastor before he left, he said to me, Brother, you need to stay here and take care of this new pastor. And you know what? That new pastor took me to a whole new level. And it was that new pastor who sent me to Bible school. And you know, the Bible is very clear that one man planteth, another waters, but God gives the increase. If I'm not here next week, you better be here next week. It doesn't matter who's behind this pulpit. If God put it in there, that's who we need to follow behind. A young man with a pocket full of cash is a dangerous thing. <laughs> Believe me, when we got that stimulus money, <laughs> when, that, when that check came and, you know, it was at a good time and things were paid, whatever, we can use it for some fun stuff. 
We didn't have to apply it to anything really. But you know what? When you have a, full, a young man full of cash, it can be a dangerous thing. You know, would we not take advantage of it ourselves if we were given an inheritance? We've all had those times. But instead of buying some land, like he should have, instead of buying a house or taking it and increasing his wealth to pass it on to his children one day, he spent it all on what the Bible calls riotous living. He said not many days after younger son gathered all together and took it. So once he landed into this new city, this new country, he went ahead and started spending. Riotous living. Doesn't take long for a believer who is walking with God to fall once. He or she moves away from God. It doesn't take long. We've seen it. A couple weeks. After someone decides to leave, to go right back into unholy living. And you see it, and they're, they're, they don't, they're not shy from it. They'll post it right on Facebook. Back with the clown makeup, back looking like the world, acting like the world, posting stuff. I'm so free. I can't believe I was so wrapped up for all these years. You had every chance to leave when you could. Now you got to turn around years later and bash God, bash the program of God. Get out of here. All they wanted was Satan. They wanted to go back into the world. And then what? You know what? It would have been better for them not to even have shown up in the first place to let brothers and sisters to believe that they had someone that they could look to. And you know what? It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. He spent all of his money and the things got worse when the famine arrived in the land. Kind of, you know, you have all these people who uh, only went to church once or twice every now and then. And then when all the churches were shut down, now they had no opportunity to get out. But I'm glad that I was, I was in church every day or every week. Every week until the church is closed down. Because I believe that's what sustained me while the church was shut down. I believe that that's what sustained me. And that's what's going to sustain you through the week. Right. Is being here on a Sunday morning. And yes, we only have one service now. But when we do open up more. When we do open up more services. Not if. When we have more services. We need to get to every one of them. As right. best as we can. Because we need something to get us through until the next service. Because Satan will pick up his attacks. Satan will come in more ferocious than he ever was. Because he doesn't like when we're already in the house of the Lord one day a week. Man, he's going to be really upset when we're in the house more than one day a week. Praise God. So the famine arrived in the land and all of his money was gone. Had he saved it, had he been smart with it, had he not left from the presence of God... Now left his father's house where there was blessings and security. It would have been fine. He went and befriended a pig farmer who hired him to, to, to feed the pigs. This once proud son of a wealthy man was now on the lowest platform of life. Even the pig farmer had more prestige than this young man. He could at least say, I'm the pig farmer. I own this land. I own all this, this swine. 
I'm in charge. What can this young man say now? He had nothing. The essence of this parable, a parable in the simplest definition is a story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. That's what Jesus was doing with these parables. Jesus was not telling those back then and us here today about financial uh, responsibility. That's not what this uh, parable is about. Or how to be of a good moral character. There is more to this parable than most people see. The father in the parable. Jesus is likened him to God the father. We are the younger son. Now let's compare ourselves to the son real quick. Mankind from the day he sinned in the garden. Has been self-willed. Just like this young son. Self-willed. He wanted what he wanted. He didn't care about his father's feelings. He didn't care about the family business. We want to do what we want. And we don't want anybody telling us how to live. That's why a lot of people leave churches. Well, he's telling me how to live. The preacher's telling me to do this and not to do that. Well, you know what? For the most part, he's getting it from the word of God. So no, the preacher isn't telling you how to live because he feels like he knows how you should live. But he's telling you how God wants you to live. We want to do what we want to do. And mankind obviously cannot live outside of God's presence. We see what happens in cities and towns and countries that despise God. The son went out and spent his money on riotous living. And we know really what that is. Sinful parties, sinful indulgences. This man spent his money at the bar and at the club. In today's society, he could purchase drugs. This took place in today's society. He'd be purchasing the drugs. And now they're talking about legalizing marijuana throughout all 50 states. Because they say, well, it's harmless. Alcohol is more dangerous. Sin is sin. Danger is danger. It doesn't matter. Right. I heard of a lady who died because she tripped and fell on one of those metal straws and it went through her eye. Mm. She still died. You say, well, a car, you know, is more dangerous than a metal straw. They still both can cause death. Drugs is drugs. It doesn't matter. It's a gateway. And I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, when the, the group of friends that I hung out with in high school, that's what they started with. And then next thing you know, they moved up. And they moved up. And then they found more and more drugs. And the next thing you know, they had that black heroin that was going around back home. Back there on Long Island. And then every week, it was somebody from my high school had died from that. Another one died from that. And another one died from that. Over and over. Because it started with that little bit of sin. That little bit of indulgence. A little bit of what I want to do. Sin is riotous living. When Adam sinned that day in the garden. When he took of that fruit. That God said not to eat. The disease of sin entered into the nature of mankind. Mankind is considered sinful. 
the moment they're conceived. And although God has mercy on the young who do not understand the sinful actions, it is not the same when a person becomes of age, when they can be held accountable for their sinful nature. Most people will say that uh, they have not sinned, that they're good people, that they'll make it into heaven, but is that true? Is that true? And we know that sin is not just an action. The sinful action a person commits comes from a sinful heart. It's the manifestation of a sin of sin. Why do people do the things that they do? The sin of lying comes from the same source as the sin of murder. It comes from a wicked heart. It's all about a wicked heart. Romans 3 and 23. Follow has sinned and comes short of the glory of God. That's why it really uh, bothers me when you go down the road and you see these drunk driving uh, crosses and stuff. Uh, and then all the balloons and all these people say, well, so and so, you know, they're in heaven now. They're in God's hands and they get these t-shirts made up. You see these people all the time walking to Walmart downtown. This person, they're in heaven right now. Uh, heaven received another angel. And then you find out how they lived before they died. And you almost want to tell them, I'm sorry. But they did not make it. And I know that. You know, I can say today that, yes, Reverend Wright made it to heaven. Because his life reflected that of what God requires to make it to heaven. And yes, maybe I don't know truly what goes on in a person's heart. None of us can. But you know what? We go based on the fruits. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. Amen. And there's no way a man whose life is riddled in sin could have preached as much as he preached. No way a man riddled in sin could have reached that many people that Reverend Wright had reached. And we have all these testimonies on Facebook. And brother, you gave us testimony. But all these people said, Reverend Wright's the one who led me to salvation. Reverend Wright is the one who showed me the gospel. Reverend Wright is the one who witnessed to me. There's no way someone with a wicked heart could go that far for God and not stumble. You know what? But sisters, we have to make sure we're living our testimony. We got to protect our testimony. Right. We don't want to be like the Jerry Falwells of our society who gets wrapped up in stuff. Right. We've got to protect ourselves. Right. My wife goes everywhere with me except for work. But you know what? When I go to the store, she's with me. When I go to visit people, she's with me. Why? Because I don't want that uh, be taken out by Satan. Right. Because there are men and women who rely on me. Those who I've never even met yet, that God is getting ready to put in our path so that I can reach out to them and tell them about the goodness of Jesus. Yes, yeah. We all heard recently about what happened with Jerry Falwell. It's because he didn't protect himself. His wife didn't protect herself. And they were. And you know what? He's not a preacher like his father. He's not a pastor like his father. And we're talking about Jerry Falwell Jr., he really just went to school to become a lawyer and then the uh, president of Liberty. But you know what? He got so big. Thought he got a fly so high that God couldn't knock him out of the sky. And that's what happened. And that's what's happening now. 
And, you know, I talked about that last week about uh, getting involved in politics. And I said, yes, there's times, you know, we can be, uh, we got to vote and we got to be concerned about what's going on in our nation. But, but you have some of these preachers that align themselves behind the politicians. And you know what? That's not what God calls us to do. We're not politicians. Our calling is higher than that of a politician. When they asked Billy Graham if he'd run for a president, he said, why would I take a demotion? Why would I take a demotion? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. This sinful nature that mankind has come that has comes with a price tag, a serious price tag. God made mankind perfect and in union with him, but once man allowed sin to enter, that union was separated. This price tag for a person to continue to live in sin is hell upon their demise. Have you ever done something and you just felt so guilty about it? You sinned against God and you just felt so guilty about it. You didn't even want to come to church. You didn't want to even witness anybody. We've all been there. We've all done it. We're like, man, Lord, how can I go soul winning when I, was, I did all this this week? And I thought this and I've been in this bad attitude and I feasted my eyes upon this. And I took this and I did that and I, you know, so and so on. How can I do any of that? You feel that way because there's a separation. You know, a clean conscience makes a soft pillow. Oh, yeah. When you're right with God, you sleep way better. Man. You sleep so much better when you're right with God. And I'm glad he allows us to make it right. Man. I'm glad that time and time again when we mess up, that the blood of Jesus is still there. Oh, yeah. Not so we could abuse it. Not so we could say, you know what? I could go ahead and do this. The, the blood of Jesus will cover it. No, it's, man, I've messed up. I can't believe I've done that. What do I do? You know what? Let me go back to the blood of Jesus this morning or this evening, whatever it is. It's not God who sends people to hell. It's people that send themselves to hell. It says that he, he befriended a pig farmer and he would go to, uh, to work by feeding the pigs. He dove headfirst into sin. And he found himself ruined and destroyed. He said he came to himself. He said, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Don't get to a part where you, eventually you'll find yourself in, in sin. You got to know right from the beginning. Oh, hold on. What's going on? I'm going down this slippery slope. God had mercy on, this general, on the young man that day. Because some people don't snap out of it. Some people dive into sin and they don't snap out of it. And then it's too late. I remember a young man, I remember a day he got filled with the Holy Ghost in church. And he was talking about, he felt the presence of God. He felt like fire was running through his body. And he had a hard time catching his breath. He didn't understand, but he got the Holy Ghost baptism. He'd given his life to Jesus. We were all shouting and having a good time in the house of the Lord. And then I believe he went out to the field. We were in the military. He went out for a month. Or maybe he got deployed. I don't remember. Came back. He got married. And he left God. Got to snap out of it. If you're in that part right now where uh, you, you're just kind of in that daze 
of a sin. Everything's foggy and cloudy. You gotta snap out of it. Come out of it now because it might be too late by the time you do. He was hungry, the Bible says. He was hungry. He's looking at all oh, this pig slop that he was pouring out for the pigs, the husks, the corn husks. And he said, that looks good. I, I recently was watching something about socialism and Venezuela, how Venezuela, how their currency just absolutely means nothing. All their money just lines the streets. All this money, people just drew it because it was worthless. And this garbage truck had pulled up and people going through the garbage truck and ripping open the bags and taking out all this garbage and eating it. And they, the look on their eyes, like, man, this is amazing. This tastes so good. Eating garbage. And that's what this young man this once proud son of this wealthy man found himself looking at the pig's food. Mankind is hungry. Sin is not nourishing. Sin will not fill you up. Right. It may taste good at the moment. It may satisfy the flesh at the moment. Then when you give in to the sin, when you've pushed the Holy Ghost out, when you said, I'll just repent of it. I'll just do it at church. I'll make things right with God after I'm done. That I can't control it. If I don't, if I don't release uh, my flesh now, if I don't satisfy my flesh now, it's just going to keep eating at me. I'll just go ahead and give in to it. God, God knows my heart. I hate when people say that. God knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart and it's wicked. It's wicked because your actions should reflect the heart. And if your actions are sinful, your heart is sinful. Right. Sin will leave you hungry. How can someone, it amazes me how someone could go out drinking, wake up covered in their own vomit with a terrible headache, with no memory of what happened that night, and think it's cool and funny and go and do it the next day. I remember the story of someone who got so drunk that he got into a fight with a guy in a beer garden. Knocked the guy down, took a cinder block, crushed his skull in. Doesn't he, he woke up in jail, doesn't he remember what he did done? Convicted of murder. Is that how people really want to live their lives? Is that how we want to live our lives? Sin causes people to do horrible things. And though you may never find yourself doing some of the things you read about in the news or on the news, injecting yourself with all sorts of things or murdering someone, do you find yourself hating somebody? Like I said, the same sin that causes a person to lie is the same sin that causes murder. Do you wish the worst upon them? Do you support and rally with others who commit sin? Do you find yourself walking with the ungodly? Looking to shed blood? Laying in wait for the innocent? The psalmist tells us. Have you lied, stole, filled your hearts and minds with the sensual? See, this young man had it all. He lived in the presence of his father his father was wealthy. He had servants, a nice house, wonderful food, safety, but threw it all away like we did, like mankind did. 
Mankind could be living in the presence and harmony with God, but we sinned. Had we not turned our backs on God and sold our souls to Satan for a little bit of, quote, freedom. We want to be where we are right now. Cities want to be being burned to the ground right now. This virus wouldn't be uh, raging mankind right now. Coronavirus. We wouldn't have any of this. Had mankind not turned their back on God. Had this nation not turned their back on God. This parable is showing us the sad, the sad state of mankind. How we are no better than the pigs. If even their food looks good to us. The story does not end there. I said, he came to himself there in verse 17. The very first set of words. And when he came to himself, when he realized where he was at, when he realized what he was about to do, he realized that there was bread at his father's house. And here he was about ready to perish. How long does a person have to go living in sin before they realize that they need something more? How long do we realize? How long do we go on until we say, hold on, there's something not right in my life. There's something not right in my heart. There's something not right between me and God. How long? It's a shame that millions of people today will die and go to hell because they would not open their eyes and see their condition. The only thing that would satisfy this man's hunger was bread, not corn husks. That's why he said, you know, all the bread in my father's house, all the servants of my father, they have more than enough bread that they can even give me some, the servants. Usually, typically, you think of a servant would only get a small portion. But even the father would take care of the servants. He wanted bread. This man needed bread. And we too need bread. See, he needed literal bread in the story. We need a bread from Almighty God. We need a bread that satisfies our hungry, our hunger. It is a bread that does not mold. It is a bread that sustains our spiritual life. It is a bread that frees us from the bondage of sin. And this bread has a name and his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. John 6 and 35. He said, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. When you get Jesus in your life, no longer are you going to be worrying about what's next. No longer are you going to worry about what's going to happen later on in life. It doesn't matter. When you have Jesus in your life, you just take it day by day, step by step. Because you know it's God that orders your step. You know it's God that's going to sustain you. You don't have to worry about what's going on in the politics. It doesn't matter who gets elected into office. Because you serve a God who's above the President of the United States. Right, and it doesn't matter what freedoms they take away from you. God will protect you. Yeah. God will be with you. And if you find yourself 
in front of the firing squad and you find yourself getting loaded onto a cattle car because of your faith. You'll know you'll go to a city whose builder and maker is God. Reverend Wright probably didn't care too much about the diagnosis because I believe he said, you know what? It's my time to go. Hopefully it's quick. Hopefully I'm there by sundown because I want to be with my Jesus. And I want to be with my Jesus too. And I'm not going to do anything to speed it up. But when my time is time, I'm going to have that peace from God. I'm going to lie in that hospital bed and say, God, you got to make this quick. I'm ready to go home. I'm sick of waiting, God. I'm sick of this world. I'm sick of the flesh. I want to be in the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. All these people. The young man had to come to himself and look around and see his condition. There are people who have seared their own conscience that they will sit in a church service and not make things right with God. It's amazing. You get preachers who are preaching holiness, righteousness, preaching against sin, and people will just get up and leave. Get up at the end of service and go back into, you know, wherever sin they were from. It's because they seared their conscience. It's a dangerous thing when you don't feel conviction after committing a known sin. And if you're fine with it and you can go on with it, that means you've got to pray. Because it means you've seared your conscience. He knew where to go and to get this bread. And that was back to his father's house. You will not find salvation in any other name than that of Jesus. Says there, Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. He knew where to get bread. He knew where to go. The son had to go home. He had to go home. He had to. It was in the father's house. And that's what he did. That's what he did. He was hungry. He would have fed himself with the pig slop. But it was at the father's house. He said, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and no... And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And I and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against thy sight. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring him thither, the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For my son, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and he began to be merry. And that's what it is this morning. And we have found ourselves one more. And we found ourselves hungry. And we found ourselves trying to eat from the table of sin, finding ourselves unsatisfied. Because we will. You eat from the table of sin, you're going to be unsatisfied. you got to go back to the Father's house. 
you got to go back to God and say, God, I need that bread that you've prepared for me. I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus to free me from sin. I'm sick of this, this depression. I'm sick of this sadness. I'm sick of being empty. Fill me, God. Fill me right now, Lord. Take the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ, and he will fill you. As we bow our head and close our eyes in reverence to him, do you know that there is bread in the Father's house? You can fill yourself with the slop of the world, the pig food, the rotting fruit, the rotted vegetables that they give to the swine. But you're going to be hungry again. We're not called to eat that kind of food. God has prepared a table for us. He has prepared something wonderful for us. He sent down Jesus for us. And we're not talking about literally eating food. Or as the Catholics believe, literally eating the body of Christ. We're talking about food for your soul. His name is Jesus this morning. And if you need more, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, you will find it by going to Jesus in prayer right now. Father, I've endeavored to preach what you've laid on my heart, Lord God. And we know that there is bread in your house. The bread of life, Jesus Christ. And that once we partake, we will be full. And never in want again. And Lord, right now I turn the service over to your Holy Ghost. To do what needs to be done in that everyone's hearts and their lives, Lord God. Turn it over to you, Jesus. Let us find a place to pray this morning. Let us find a place to pray. Let's seek the bread that God has laid out for us. God bless you. Go ahead and sing. I'm only human. I'm just a woman.